you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the NFL Podcast needs to take a vacation oh my god yes welcome to another edition of the around the nfl podcast my name is dan hansis and i am joined in a room filled with heroes chris wessling to my left Mm. greg rosenthal to my right what's up hey dan boys and a very special guest as teased on monday's show her first time here in studio 66 NFL Network's own MJ Acosta. Welcome. Oh, thanks, guys. Welcome I didn't think I was going to make it. Well, what a journey it's been. <laughs> we're, we're taping this. Um, one of the latest shows we've ever done on a non-football playing night. Probably the latest. This is history. But that's how badly we wanted Acosta in the studio. That's, I mean, think about also, that. Also, you already teased it. So. Yeah, we were kind of locked in. <laughs> it's next level professionalism to come straight from the airport, though. That is a level that, you know, I'm frankly, many of your colleagues wouldn't do. I'm all in. And let's also, uh, MJ, delayed flight comes straight here, and she's dealing with airport stuff. Your most recent tweet as of this taping, (laughs) I will never understand people who yell at a gate agent because the flight is delayed. What exactly do you think your temper tantrum will do to help the situation? Hashtag rude, uh, frowny face. There was a literal three-year-old right next to him, so well-behaved, waiting Mm. patiently, and this grown man Mm. had to go just like berate this gate agent who had just walked up she probably didn't even know that the flight was delayed this is good though because usually again as someone that works in television for sports usually we're used to on twitter greg like people tweeting oh hey united you really screwed the pooch on this one maybe you could help me out no no that's not what mj here let everyone else know your problems that will solve mj is more putting people on blast that are just inappropriate there was no reason this mm. poor woman was standing there. And she, and to her credit, he walked away, and she's like, I'm sorry you're having a bad day, sir. Ooh. Like, mm. 
that's a, a better human than that. Me, that's I similar to the awesome. person who goes crazy on the waiter or waitress when it's not the waiter. Right. If it's not the waiter or waitress's fault, and they're giving you fine service, but right. they just take it out on them. That's oh. the number one red flag for me. If you're dating someone, oh, they, they are rude. Yeah, yeah, how they treat service people is is the number one. You know what that is? What's that? La Ravia. It is absolutely magnifico. <laughs> and my what grinds my gears the most is I'm a father of, uh, of two young boys that who were babies not very long ago, and we have to fly across the country a lot uh, because my family lives in New York. And what happens is sometimes the babies get upset and they cry. The people get ma- mad at the parents because the baby is having a rough uh, little stretch, which I understand it. I've been on the other side of it that. You're just trying to get. You're in a small tube. There's no one who There's, wants the baby yeah. home more than exactly. The baby's parents. And then I still people on Twitter, always without kids, of course. To this day, are like, oh, I hate people who bring babies on airplanes. What? You know, the kid behind unattended. You're a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Someday you too will have children. You too. <laughs> I feel bad for those kids. <laughs> That's the truth. MJ Acosta in the house. MJ, you you have a great backstory. Uh, we're going to get to a lot, including that. We're going to get. What are we going to do today? MJ NFL Network about a year now, almost. Almost a year, man. Yeah. Mm. It comes at you quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you cover the Bay Area teams, the Niners and the Raiders, other stuff too, yeah. but primarily there. So we figured on today's show, let's. Uh, we're going to ask the big questions about Bay Area football. And I'm holding in my left hand an old school NFL helmet. I stole it off someone's desk. It's very quiet Sweet. at NFL Media Sorry. right now. Mm. Yeah, I borrowed it. Uh, we I, know Andy Fenelon doesn't listen to this podcast right. <laughs> anymore, but I'm going to put call it out. I hope to remember to return it, uh, but if I don't, uh, I'm holding it. Inside it is questions. We've all written questions about the Raiders and about the Niners. We're going to go around the horn uh, picking questions at random and answering them. That's going to be fun. Uh, uh, we're going to do some uh, uh, news as well, but before we get to that, yes, MJ, you have a, a great story. I did, I just learned this, by the way. That you are a New York City native. Yeah, I grew up in Washington Heights. Like Manny Ramirez, who we brought up somewhat recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, you uh, are a Yankees fan, which is great. Totally a Yankees fan. As am I. And you're known for your great hair as well, like me. So we got <laughs> this really so a lot, a lot in common right now. Uh, But yeah, a great story, and um, and you kind of. you got into sports, but you kind of did it at, at your own pace, right? You, totally. It wasn't something that you aspired to initially. It took a while to get there. Your your family was from the Dominican Republic, New York. They moved to for a better life. You end up in Miami, and then your journey kind of begins after a stint as a Miami uh, Dolphins cheerleader as well. It was in tandem, actually, with my uh, time with the Dolphins because I was already a sports reporter by the time I finally made the team because I tried out for the Dolphins like five Mm. Nice. Really? Yes. Wow. We're jumping so, in the fish tank. That's it, good. So it's a pretty lengthy process to become an NFL trader for most teams. It's like three weeks of like auditions and camp and interviews and all this stuff. And so every year that I'd try out, I'd make it all the way to finals and then get cut right mm. before. Soul crushing. Oh, <laughs> truthfully. man. So, Five times. So after my fourth audition, I was like, you know what? Let me focus on school. At that point, I had finally figured out that journalism and broadcasting is what I wanted to pursue. I went in, finished my degree, started working, and there was just this little tug that said, man, if you don't try this at least one time, you're going to hate yourself. And sure enough, winner, winner, chicken dinner on the fifth try. And um, so it was interesting because – So who do we have to blame? Joe Philbin? 
Parcells? No, it just it was what it was. It's hyper competitive in Miami. There's a million talented, beautiful women. It's really hard um, to make that team. It's similar, you know, all of the directors I worked with were former Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. So they kind of ran it the audition process anyway, very similar to how they did in Dallas. So it was like you had hundreds of thousands of women come out every year. It's really tough. What's like one thing that people wouldn't know about being a professional cheerleader Mm -hmm. uh, that you could share with us? Oh man. Um, So I always, I always like to say it's a part-time job with full-time responsibilities. Um, I was working full-time as a reporter and then running on over to the facility at night and we'd practice four hours a night, four to five times a week. Um, I was in the best shape of my life <laughs> by default, right? Um, but I think it's it's a time commitment. How how long you're actually there, how much time you're putting into it, mm. the hours upon hours of practice um, with these other women, it's really, really taxing. Did you find that was an, an advantage at all as a reporter that people almost took you too lightly? It's like, okay, now you arrived, and much like you've done here at the NFL Network, you've you know stomped on all your competition, jumped <laughs> to the top of the ladder, and now you're going to the top. Made enemies everywhere. Just no. it doesn't matter. Um, and going to the top. In in what sense? I mean, just just uh, that they knew you were doing the cheerleading thing while you were being a reporter. Oh right. Well, yeah, there was that like ah. Can't take her seriously, and to that I'd say I'm so over the narrative that you can't be feminine and fun and equally intelligent and qualified to do your job. I mean, I was a Dolphins cheerleader and I had the best seat in the house for every home game. So I, you know, I recently told the story. It, it was interesting on game days to be on the sidelines, and your role is to cheer on the team no matter what, right? That was our job. So it was really tough for me as like a football person to not react to like a bad call or, right. you, know, you know, like, Oh, you're not going to call that rep and, you know, just smile there. So mm. that took a bit of a learning curve. You know, maybe like <laughs> really a- like the whole Chad Henney era, I would feel like would be tough. Uh, we have a lot of listeners who are college age and wonder about getting into sports, mm-hmm. if it's worth it, how to go about doing it. But we also have listeners in their mid to late twenties who are thinking, yeah. is it too late to get into sports? And I think, the four of us on this show, and you share this in common, you didn't know at 18 years old that you wanted to Absolutely do this. Absolutely not. I was a business major at 18 years old, and I'm not very good at math, which is why I speak for a living. Um, but I, it took me some time and a lot of trial and error and a lot of um, a lot of L's to figure out that this was my path. And actually, my love for dance was what finally led me to a job in television um, and that's when it, it was like that epiphany wow I really love this and I'd go in and I'd head up to master control and I'd talk to the producers and I'd just ask the hosts while they were getting their makeup done like hey can I pick your brain a little bit um, and at that point I was probably 23 24 um, still hadn't finished you know I had an associate's degree but that was it um, so at 25 I went back to finish my bachelor's and you know all of my other peers in journalism were already in their first media right. markets, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to finish this media yeah. law class and pass it. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It, it gave me so much more of an appreciation for the process for what I was doing. I was not wasting time at that point. I was like, how many credits do I need? I need to go. Um, and I was, I think because I was a little older and had that perspective, um, I was able to get a job before I graduated, um, about a semester or two before I graduated. And, um, was kind of balancing all of it at the same time, um, wow. which was interesting. But it's like once you know and you're set on it, but there was no way at 18 I would have known well, that. Well, that would be the only advice that I would ever give to anybody. Like we have younger listeners that reach out to us is that 
especially, you know, certainly in my case and all of our cases, you don't have to figure out the, everything in your 20s. You actually have that decade to kind of eventually get on a path. So never stress out if you're 23, 24, 25. And relax. You don't need Take to know. Your, you or got 44. a lot of time. And the, next long career. <laughs> the next move that you make or the next decision you make isn't like for the rest of your life. Right. Right. Try it's different always, things. It's always going to change. Just like MJ did, who ended up in San Diego, covered the Chargers, and now here she is in NFL Network. And in the studio at the Around the NFL podcast. Now you've reached the pinnacle. That's it. This was the, this was the goal, man. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do some news. Coach Belichick would probably say something like, you know, we're not on the program of making these kind of things right now. You know, it's National Football League. This isn't Hollywood. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was amazing. That's the deep exhales in between. The the he really nailed it because he did the nose snore at the end where he sucks in, and that's like everyone who has a Belichick impression does it wrong. Just kind of does this monotone. It's Edelman forever now. Oh well, let's. I'm just saying that that was pretty good. I also, if you if you're trying to place a Belichick impression, do break out your old Christian Slater impression, which is Mm. not oh nice far off. Uh, All right, let's get into the news, and we'll start. With some bad news for a, a franchise, West that bad news always seems to follow them. The Cincinnati Bengals uh, first-round pick Jonah Williams will likely miss the entire 2019 season. This is a guy that was slated to be the team's starting left tackle, picked 11th overall. Instead, uh, he underwent left shoulder surgery on Tuesday to repair a torn labrum. Uh, 21 years old, expected to make a full recovery. The Bengals added, so, you know, he's a 2020 and beyond prospect. Uh, but as far as this year, there will be no impact. And uh, uh, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor had described Williams after he set out mini minicamp as being, quote, dinged up. But after seeing the doctor, it turned out, obviously, much worse. Uh, Wes, uh, as a recovering Cincinnati Bengals football fan, as you as you put it. Uh, this one uh, has to sting for people back on the west side of Cincinnati that were looking forward to an improved offensive line this season. Yeah, they're snake-bitten when it comes to rookie first-round draft picks. Yeah. If you've been on Twitter in the past couple of days, you've probably seen the list. Basically, Billy Price, last year's first-round pick at center, started 10 games and was well below average as a center. And he was by far the biggest impact of any first-round rookie the Bengals have here's, had. Here's the numbers. Jonah Williams, probably zero. Billy Price, 558 snaps. John Ross, 17 snaps as a rookie in 2017. William Jackson didn't play a snap. Uh, Cedric Obouye. Obouye, 65. Darquise Denard, 62. Eifert played 673 back in 2013. Kevin Zeitler played a full season. Drake Kirkpatrick way back 2012, only 42 snaps. So this has been something that's been going on forever. This is a team that needs a lot of questions to be answered in their favor. And this is a question that will not – the offensive line is not going to be answered in their favor now. It's such a Bengals thing to happen. The, the guy who like seemed like – quote-unquote, the safest pick possible, who played more snaps than anyone else in college, and he's not going to play at all his rookie season. I feel bad for him as well. Just to start, It's not how you want to start off your professional career. I mean, yeah, he's young. He's 21. He's going to make a full recovery. But you hear so many of these guys first entering the league, man, it's all about that change of pace, you know, from college, how, how much the game is going to slow down for you after your first season, and now he's got to wait a whole year. For they it. have a pretty good left tackle in Cordy Glenn there. 
to play, but now they have Bobby Hart at right tackle, which what? is a problem. They also this has been an this brings me back to Kajana Carter. All the way back in the 90s, they drafted number one overall, blows out his ACL in August. They drafted a guy named Kenny Irons at running back from Auburn in the second round, blew out his ACL before he even started. The Bengals just seem to have a lot of these guys who get injured before they ever get a chance. And it's a domino situation because, yeah, Glenn was supposed to kick over to guard, and if he took to that position, that would strengthen that and left tackle if they hit on the pick. But now that all hits uh, you hit the pause button. Let's move on. Um, I got a lot of tweets over the last, I'd say, two or three months about all or nothing. Now, if you remember last year's season, uh, which chronicled the Cowboys, was it Cowboys last year? No, was it? Yeah, last year it dropped during uh, draft week, and we hadn't heard anything about um, uh, all or nothing, the Amazon series uh, this spring. Well, we found out today that it is going to be back and it will be covering the 2018 Panthers for people that aren't aware of the All or Nothing. It's it's excellent. It's another great NFL Films production, uh, and it's basically hard knocks taking you through an entire season. Um, the Panthers, of course, uh, last season uh, got off to a 6-2 and two start, uh, and then things kind of fell apart. They lost seven in a row at one point. Uh, finishing seven and nine, and it will be kind of be a season. Remembered MJ is Cam Newton's shoulder injury, which they hoped was gonna he's gonna turn the corner. It just never happened, and eventually he had surgery, got shut down. Uh, so they're the nice little trailer for all or nothing. You gonna be watching this as so a football I watched, junkie? I'd watch the trailer now. You know, especially with Hard Knocks following one of the teams that I'm that I'm assigned to. And I saw a lot of similarities there, right? So there was one line that um, Cam said in it. And I'm not sure if it's because him and AB have worked out together before. They have sort of a friendship. But he, he said that, that line, um, look good, play good, get paid good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, to a lot of players. Look good, I play good, play good, feel good. Too much, but it's something that AB said to me when I interviewed him right after he was introduced um, in Oakland. So mm. I was like, huh, okay, interesting. The parallels there. I mean, this will drop before – Hard Knocks starts in August, so but I, I will be watching. I love these kind of behind the veil. Into the Eight time. episodes premiering July nineteenth on Amazon yeah. Prime. I think All or Nothing's underrated. The format's a little a little tricky because you already know what's going to happen, obviously. Right. And just the fact that too too many of the episodes are just here's game one, here's game two, and then the next week is, okay, three and four. And they do better when they kind of mix it up and then they have themes. But if you're willing to watch it, and I've watched both seasons, I think it's only been two, right? The Cardinals, Cardinals and Cowboys. Cardinals Rams, and the Cowboys. Rams, yeah, the Rams. Cardinals, Cowboys. Yeah, and I, I've watched it, and they each have had some unbelievable, genuine behind-the-scenes moments that rival or beat anything from Hard Knocks. I think you have to sift through it a little bit more, but there are things that I took away from from the Cowboys, from the Rams ones that were like that were better than anything that you would see on TV throughout the whole year. I'm looking forward to this. I love this stuff. You know, I write the Hard Knocks reviews on NFL.com, and th- I've written these pieces as well. It's just the, where it falls in the in the year. It kind of I feel like it gets sometimes lost in the shuffle. But if you do love Hard Knocks, you should try the show. There's one aspect of uh, the Panther season that will be very interesting to see how they handle it. Um, I talked to David Ely, of course, our uh, luckless and love uh, desk editor downstairs, <laughs> also big Panthers fan. Uh, MJ, he mm. once bought a bottle of champagne right before Super Bowl 50 oh. um, that he planned to celebrate with. Brought it to the newsroom. Brought it to the newsroom. Um Shortly before this happened, he, his girlfriend broke up with him, 
and then the Panthers lost the Super Bowl, and then he ended up drinking the bottle of champagne alone in a hot tub. Oh, this (laughs) is wow. Like, and if that sounds bad, then for the next three years running, a popular host on a podcast (laughs) brings it up repeatedly (laughs) over and over. She meant a lot to him. It had to hurt. Um, anyway, he brought up to me, uh, reminded me that four games into their losing streak, uh, Ron Rivera, the Panthers coach, um, threw up the strategic equivalent of a Hail Mary as a coach. He demoted defensive coordinator Eric Washington, fired their D-line, D-line coach and the second be- secondary coach, uh, and they had a press conference, and it happened obviously after a discussion with Marty Herney, the GM, and the, the new uh, owner, David Tepper. I wonder if we see all that because that – see, Hard Knocks, everything's rosy typically. You know, the cuts right. and stuff is sad, but the optimism around the teams is always there. What happens when you have all the cameras around and you have to do dirty business like that? Do we get access to that? Uh, I feel like it's kind of what you sign up for I when you do the show. so, especially mm. since it's like a retrospective. You saw, I feel like they've shown some stuff on, on All or Nothing. The Cowboys uh, – when there was the national anthem, some of those moments was interesting. It kind of showed that Jason Garrett maybe didn't have that much power, that it's all Jones. Not that, not right. that, that was surprising. The Case Keenum kind of, I, I feel like no one watched that season, but watching Case Keenum crum- crumble a little bit during the Rams season um, as he lost his starting job and Jared Goff took it over was pretty fascinating. And they showed, they showed some stuff there that if I'm Case Keenum, I would not want to have watched. So I, I hope so. I hope they. John Elway didn't out. see that season either. Apparently, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the just about mid-November epiphany that Riverboat has when he sees one of the strongest armed quarterbacks in the league mm. can't complete. Gonna do it. He basically has a Keenum arm, or less than that, by by November and. Rivera is sitting on a six and two team, and he has to just know at one point uh, we're not going to the playoffs because my quarterback I, can't pass. I'm curious about the interaction of Cam and every, just like a little more Cam behind the scenes. Cam and everyone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just like how he interacts with his teammates and right. and everything going into a season that kind of falls apart. Like how much you see that could be interesting. I want to see the wardrobe selection. There you Horse. go. Does he have a style? Oh, is it just him? We're definitely going to be taken to his house and into the closet. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's going to happen. All right, moving on. Tyreek Hill, Kansas City Chiefs. What's going on there? Uh, Hill completed his meeting with NFL investigators in Kansas City on Wednesday regarding recent child abuse allegations against the Chiefs wide receiver. Uh, Hill met with Lisa Friel, the NFL senior VP of special counsel for investigations and other league officials uh, re- represented by his personal lawyer and an NFLPA lawyer according to Rap Sheet. Um, this was Hill's first interview with the league and a, a chance to answer to these allegations of child abuse. Uh, we've heard the local authorities are not pursuing a case at this time connected uh, to the incident um, earlier this year. There's no timetable for a ruling on Hill's case, Rappaport added in his report. Um, so we've talked about this, that what happens, what's next, is Tyreek Hill going to be on the field with the Chiefs? Um, how long will he potentially be out? Still, we don't know, but it continues to kind of hang over the franchise as we approach training camp. Well, I think this was a significant step because it put kind of a – I don't know if it put a deadline, but it moved it forward. The NFL was basically saying until now, and Roger Goodell said that they were waiting for uh, his child services case to end before they would proceed. And now they're proceeding, and they met, and just – 
little whispers and you hear people talking around the newsroom or in just kind of reading between the lines of what Ian's saying, I think you're going to hear something from the league, whether it one way or another, well before training camp starts. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, sometime in the upcoming July 4th, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I think you'll find out what, whatever the NFL is going to decide. How long, how long, how much more time do they need? Hill is expected to report to the Chiefs for training camp when it begins on July 26th, barring a development that is unforeseen. Finally in the news, uh, every year Emory University ranks the NFL fan bases, uh, gets people fired up. Those people, you know, dummies over at Emory because they know this is – if you want to get stoke the flames and get people talking on social media – you drop it on June 26th. Right. Smart. <laughs> Emory was like... College educated people. Emory was like the school that I kind of wanted to go to, but I just figured like I probably wouldn't even get in, so I didn't even apply. Right. That's cool. Uh, if you got in, maybe you'd be involved with this project, uh, which they rank the teams. And uh, let's see, who is the top five? Number one. The teams that are always on TV. Cowboys. Number two, Patriots. Number three, Eagles. Number four, Giants. Number five, Steelers. Those are the top five. Anybody surprised and by I'm those? Sorry, the, Let me tell you why. It was specifically the most popular. This is these. This is what they use to figure it out. Okay? Best fan bases. What was the algorithm? Best fan bases. Here's the algorithm. <laughs> I got the algorithm for you coming up right now. If I can find it. Here it is. Uh, the approach uh, uses data on attendance, revenues, social media following, and road attendance to develop statistical models of fan interest. Hmm. Well, I think it's first helpful to realize that this is a professional professor of marketing. Got it. So he's putting a lot more stock in marketing than just about anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's a little too close to Darren Ravel for me. Mm. But um, he's definitely going with volume over rate and quantity over quality. The key is that the models are used to determine which cities fans are more willing to spend or follow their teams after controlling for factors like market size and short-term changes in winning and losing. So I gave you the top five. The bottom... I mean, I think to Erica Tamposi is an example of why the Patriots have you know ranked so highly here. I think they deserve it. Well... Yeah, I mean, a lot of winning, a lot of titles in that group. I mean, they showed up. I mean, that was in the Super Bowl last year. They're dominating. You figure, okay, they've been to a lot of Super Bowls. That was like a home game for the Patriots. I went to college in Boston in the turn of the um, 2000s, and that was the fourth most popular (laughs) pro sports franchise in that city behind the Red Sox, the Celtics, and the Bruins. And that's fine. I'm not angry about it, but that just shows you how, how, how you build as a fan base through winning. Like, that was not a great fan base. It wasn't. Now it is. Congratulations. Let's see what happens if you don't win every year, Ricky. I mean, I was watching when they weren't winning anyways back then because some people are just football fans. Is it great? Do you get more bandwagon fans? Yeah, of course. But Do, well, does people your stay college on the experience get you the ranking of the fan base of the Patriots in New England? Mm. I don't know. Oh, yikes. Ouch. That's fired. <laughs> the bottom five, by the way, uh, let's see. Bengals, Jaguars, Titans, Chiefs, and Rams. Now, the Chiefs. How do the Chiefs end up down there? The Chiefs, I can't I can't. Yeah. Fathom. I don't know about I, that. that. I've is been terrible. to Arrowhead, and it is insane. That is a rabbit fan Really base. bad on Twitter, though, I guess. I yeah, they, mean, don't, they only have one beat writer. Leave him alone. That's crazy. Oh, I mean, God. the Browns. 
the Browns were just out of that bottom five, too. One, one above it. They would have been 25th. And the Chiefs, I mean, those are as loyal as loyal fan bases as you can possibly find, despite not a lot of success. Oh, how about this, um, MJ? I don't want to get you in trouble with, you know, up there north of us, but Raiders, Niners, you know, who's got the better fan base? Uh, the more colorful Vivid. Hamana, <laughs> hamana. Travel well. Raider Nation, without question. They're insane. Y'all have been to a game in yes. the Coliseum. Obviously. I don't have to tell you. It's they, a different world. They run fevered stuff over there. And having covered teams in SoCal for several years, <laughs> anytime any other team plays Raiders, it's like yeah, more Raiders. Game yeah. For them. There's no other fan base you could say, hey, we're leaving you. For again, exactly. and but we're just gonna like hang out for a couple years and then leave you. The Raiders, like, other places. Imagine if you tried to do that in like Boston the, with the the, supposedly, <laughs> it'd be like no. they just screw you, right? <laughs> and the Raiders have been bad forever now. I mean, they have they've been a couple, you know, they right spots, but the fans they support them. They really do. They support in him. full garb. I mean, and what do they get? The for costumes them? are insane. Team moves exceptionally to a loyal. They move to a desert. The Chiefs thing is that's preposterous. Yeah, yeah come on, I, man. I don't get that one. That's All right. La Ravio. So Emory University, La Ravio Magnifico. Whoa. Well, this We're coming for you. This particular Emory. marketing professor. Okay. That's what's happening in the news. Professor Lewis, take it up with him, Wes. Nah, he's all right. He doesn't need any more Did attention on any his little consulting I'm glad I didn't apply, <laughs> Emory. Ducked a huge bullet there. <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's get into it. MJ Acosta in the house. Oh, that's the other advice I would give. If you're going into sports, because you're bilingual, yes. MJ, what a huge advantage. I would say if you were looking to get into journalism, um, take Spanish. You know, that, that's that got to be a huge help. That was the number one benefit I had in, in being able to get a job right away. And I was able to stay in, in a larger market like Miami. I started off mm. at a Spanish station doing sports and public affairs. And it was Don't like, take Latin. What is it? How's Latin going to help you? No. French? Spanish was. Let's calm down. I mean, I, w- I was lucky. Spanish was my first language, but still. But it's and it's still uh, helping you out. She does some work with our friend NFL uh, UK Hank, handsome Hank. Uh, what's with what's NFL the show during the season? Trend Zone. Trend Zone. Oh, and um, Good game title. organized game, and all that stuff. So. So there you go. She's tied in. Fun. Anybody know how to speak Spanish here? Uh, besides, I was trilingual when I was like twenty years old. And now I'm one language. Try. What, what else do you have? I took French and Spanish in high school. Hey, How fluent were you? Uh, I was French club president. Mm. That was a lot of trips to Huckapoo's ago. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I was actively Vermont. killing off yeah, brain cells. <laughs> All right, here we go. I hold in my hand a, old, a recreation of an old-time football helmet. Within it is three each, three times, <laughs> Carry the two, six, six. <laughs> 12. 12 questions about the Bay Area football scene, and we're going to pass the helmet around. Uh, MJ, you are our guest, our bilingual guest. What a weapon to have in the industry. So I will start with you. You could use whatever language you feel. Okay. Pick a name. Pick a question out. If it's one of your questions, put it back in. It's not one Otherwise, read the question. You answer it. Then we all can answer it, but okay. MJ will get us going. What's more likely, 49ers defense or Raiders offense is most improved unit in the league? I would say 49ers defense is the more likely. most. Hmm. Can I hear that one more time? What's more likely, 
The 49ers D or the Raiders O is the most improved unit in the league. What about what about this cross section of segments here? Ooh. What's more likely jumping into I the like helmet? That. I would say. I don't know if that's allowed. Just because their lack of turnovers last season, lack of sacks, just statistically all around, they have no place to go but up. And they have fully reinforced that complete line. The secondary um, guys who were banged up are coming back healthy, willing for their sake. Mm. Um, so I, I really do think that that's where we'll see the, the bigger improvement. If we're comparing those two, I agree. The Raiders' offensive line still worries me quite a bit. And the 49ers added difference makers. Nick Bosa can be a difference maker if he's anything like his brother, D. Ford. Um, Jason Verrett, who is a complete wild card, but was Pro Bowl caliber before all the injuries. Um, and Quan Alexander, another guy coming off injury. With a little bit of luck, that that's as talented a front seven as there is in the entire NFL. On and- paper. Should be. And Robert Sala, who uh, our guest Peter Schrager was talking up as kind Schrager. of a, uh, a riser, even though he hasn't really had results with San Francisco, like he should get res- if he's a great coach and this team's healthy at all, they should they should be a top ten type of defense. Mm, okay, I'm with you guys. Go ahead, Cut Wes. Oh, we have another. What's more likely? Like, Ooh, hence. <laughs> what's more likely? During the 2019 Raiders season, Derek Carr uses Twitter to address reports he is frustrated by John Gruden's coaching style, mm. or Antonio Brown misses mm. at least one game connected to a disciplinary action by the team. Ooh. Like a hardcore would you rather. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I'm go. Oh, wait. You, you answer. You That's right. That. I forgot you're not asking it. You're answering it, Wes. I think it's more likely that Antonio Brown misses at least one game because what I've seen from him for the last, I don't know, 10 months, he hasn't been a exceptionally sane human being. So he's unpredictable. Derek Carr, as much as he loves the block button on Twitter, is generally not controversial with his comments. We had we also had uh, Aditi Kinkawala on our show at the owners' meetings, and she was inside that building – and she was open about it. She said that Antonio Brown had changed in a way that was troubling is too strong, but it, it changed the dynamic of his relationship with his teammates and then eventually with the coach and the front office leading to him leaving town. I do have a lot of questions. That's why I think it's more likely how that will work with John Gruden, who is a very strong personality as well, who if they butt heads, Antonio Brown's probably not going to win that battle. Uh, so I would say that's more likely. What do you think, MJ? What have you? What has your uh, um, opinion been, or what have you taken from your early interactions with Antonio Brown, if you've had any? Uh, we have. Um, I okay. I I think it's more likely the Antonio Brown angle, only because I can't imagine Derek Carr. <laughs> He's the <laughs> like, good soldier. Blasting his coach. Not blasting. He would be addressing addressing reports. a frustration. It could even be just like this is all. BS. Yeah. Oh, it could be a good thing. Though. Yeah, it could be uh, like things are great with John, but there are reports out there that their relationship mm. isn't too hot. I mean, he's sort of already addressed those. Um, You're something saying he has more. to do with right. That's what I, I think it's Carr. He's I already think, done I, stuff like yeah, this. I think I mis, misread the But he has to do it on Twitter. On Twitter. Okay. That does seem more likely to me, only because from what I've seen, and I'm only speaking in the context of from free agency to OTAs to minicamp, what I've seen from Antonio Brown thus far. It would appear that everything that he's doing is to prove 
I'm for real. Honeymoon. This is where I want to. Sure. This is where I want to be. We need a win, and I'm going to be the guy who's going to do it. I think so. you're getting the best Antonio Brown, who's one of the greatest receivers of all time. He is motivated. He's, yeah. he's going to be on his P's and Q's. And we've already seen Derek Carr, uh, you know, on Twitter – do something very similar just this offseason. I remember those eyes emojis when they were working out <laughs> Kyler Murray. That was that was an interesting little moment. So I could see it happening. I've talked about it on this podcast. Year two is when the Antonio Brown experiment could go sideways. Early In October. Vegas. Year two. Ve- Vegas, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes there. Week two. All right. Here we go. Raiders. Question. Does the Raiders game day theme song fit in Las Vegas. Now, this is interesting because I do not know <gasps> what the Raiders theme song is. So, so good. MJ, can you sing it for us? So, the, okay, so it's more of a spoken word with like a really good beat. Okay, let's hear it. It's like the autumn wind. Oh, oh that, one. that one. John Facenda. You guys yeah. know oh, yes. The autumn wind is a raider. Yes. Plundering what it wants. That old thing. Yes, that. classic. Can we play that, Ricky? The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Does it still fit? Does it still go with the franchise in Las Vegas? Well, what do they call? It's so synonymous with the black hole, with the Coliseum, with that game day feel. What do they call that? A Zeppelin? A Zeppelin. I don't. Or no, uh, um, Soraka? Not us. Where, you, I don't what know. What are these where, words? I, it's, <laughs> I feel like you're just it's, making up. It's a it's a desert windstorm. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's, I don't know. It's a desert windstorm. I call it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you could still have a windstorm uh, in I, Vegas. I would think they have to. That's such a great part of their tradition. Yeah. But no longer is you're right though because you can't you're not coming in from the sea to plunder anymore. Mm. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Keep all the tradition, keep all the Raiders right. stuff. You know, I'm I am a little skeptical that you can pull that all off. But Raiders fans, it seems so loyal. I guess you can. All right, Greg, he's got the old helmet. He's opening it up. Let's see what the handwriting is. Oh, it's neat. So it can only be one person. Who? Wes? I can't I can't get this thing apart. I folded it in like full pageant on stage question manner. That's not mine, I don't think. I no. Outside of George Kittle, which member of the 49ers offense scares opposing defenses? Uh, that's George it. Kittle is terrifying. That is a scares? superstar. Scares. He's fun to cover, right? Kittle oh, seems yeah, to be uh, almost yeah. like a professional wrestler. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's yeah. a fair uh, it's a fair question that they don't have difference makers that you have to game plan for. I think Tevin Coleman's speed mm. can scare it. I think Kyle Shanahan's, you know, running scheme can, but that's that's more of a scheme. I think Dante Pettis can certainly get better and 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 maybe turn into that guy. Uh, Mike McGlinchey's like a run blocker you might have to worry about, but it's pretty much just George Kittle. 
You're counting on your coaching to make up for the lack of players that do scare you. Did you mention- Kyle Shanahan's the answer, I think. Right. He's, he's the one who scares scheme it up. Yeah. defense. Do you, you mentioned Jarek McKinnon? I did not. Is he just out of the – where he's, are we He's back with, in the mix. What's going on with Jarek McKinnon well, right still, now? Is he going to be a part of this they offense? They took a real slow um, during offseason programs with him just being extra cautious, cautious with that knee. But he's going to have – he has a much harder recovery just because of what he has to do in his role compared to Jimmy who's also recovering from. Somebody good is going to be inactive on game days, right? Between right. Breda – Oh, in that backfield? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And use check, and then Mostert is a special teamer, and he's coming off a major injury. Mm -hmm. So McKinnon got paid a lot of money before he suffered that injury. Hmm. Interesting. Plot line to watch. Trade. (laughs) I like it. Sell it, baby. All right. MJ's up. Will pro football work in Las Vegas? Most seem seem convinced that L.A. will be unwilling to support two NFL teams, but why should we think Vegas will support one? Good question for MJ Acosta. Well, I think you don't need to give people a reason to go to Vegas. Everyone's down for a trip to Vegas. And I think now coupled with um, game day action, I think it will work. Mm. I think it will. Maybe, though. Like, I guess my my take on it is – We've, in a different, we've heard different about this for sense. years, and it was used uh, – you know, the Davises were trying to get the building built in Oakland. It just wasn't going to happen, and Vegas became what Los Angeles used to be, which was, hey, you better build our stadium or we're moving. Right. And they just – they acted on it, which is a very Al slash Mark Davis thing to do. But all this hand-wringing about the Chargers, and it's not unwarranted about what are they going to do here, how are they going to fill up a – you know, a 75,000 seat stadium when they can't fill up 30,000. That's all fair. But I don't hear anybody saying, man, are the Raiders going to work in Mm -hmm. Vegas? And they, they're all in. They got a new building being built right now too. Because it's Vegas. It's the allure of Vegas. I don't. But is it a football town? The NFL sells itself. If you have a stadium, they're going to fill it. It's, it's a small town. Well, that's, yeah. I don't think that's true of the Chargers. They don't have a stadium. Yeah. They, I am not worried. The answer to the question would be because of the va- the Golden Knights. I think, right. I think that the fact that the hockey team has been not just a success, but like a raging success where it's become well, a, a civic pride thing. Yeah, and they were good too. Yeah. But but that's forty Different dates a though. year. It's forty Different. dates a year, and they're filling it up. And there seemed to be it was that it w- was locals going, even though it's a very small market. It's immediately one of the NFL's smallest markets. There was enough kind of local pride that that kind of jumped on board that you figure maybe eight, that eight carries a year. the day. Maybe because Raiders fans are so loyal, they travel and they, they make travel. it a weekend of it. It could work if you squint the right way. But also, part of the reason why the Golden Knights thing works is that you could build it into your Friday night in Vegas, where oh we'll go gamble, we'll go at the pool, then we'll hop over to the arena, which is right in the middle of everything, and then we'll continue our night. A football game is different. It's it's a it starts early. It's it's you get to the stadium, you're there. It's I guess it's close to the strip, but it's not like right in the middle of everything. It's a different uh, fan experience. I'm thinking maybe they'll have some feature in the stadium like they do a la Hard Rock in Miami, where there's an actual literal nightclub inside of the stadium. Mm. So that something like that has to has to be incorporated in a Vegas thing. give it the Vegas. To give it the Vegas feel. I mean, yeah. people are legit with those foam glow-in-the-dark things and glasses on and, like, popping bottles mm. at a Sessler 1 p.m. Miami Dolphins game. <laughs> right. So I would imagine they'll have something like that in Vegas as well. Did you ever, as a former Dolphins cheerleader, did you ever meet uh, Gloria Stefan? I only saw her from afar. 
Mm. Was the sound machine flanking her or protecting her from <laughs> no, the masses? No, there was a, a red carpet that led up to like to go into. What, what about the part? What about part owners? Uh, Serena and Venus Williams. Again, we did not How many other part owners? <laughs> How did the cheerleaders not get a chance to it's meet all the uh, owners? No, others did. I didn't. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> Acosta should have been in part of that. All right, Wes, he's got one in his hand. He's going right. to lay it this out. This is uh, Dan's purview here. Who will be the breakout star of Hard Knocks? Hmm. Good question. Well, I think, well... The obvious answer is Gruden, just because this is that's who's going to be focused on the most. Think Rex Ryan in the 2010 Hard Knock season. Um, you know that they're going to hit that hard. Um, who would be the um, kind of like the sneaky breakout star? I don't know. Mike Glennon? Let's let's go home. Let's go to Mike Glennon's Mike Glennon. house. I'm going to go Vontez Perfect. I mean, there's so many guys that you would think the NFL would not want to be But you wouldn't want to know what's going on behind the scenes with Mike Glennon because I do. <laughs> I for- Personally. I, I forgot Mike Glennon's there. The Glennon versus Nathan Peterman battle uh, actually is kind of juicy. Uh, yeah, I think I think Vontez Perfect is a lot. I mean, the Richie Incognito thing will be interesting to watch. I, I'm curious how hard they're going to hit that. Uh, but that that's out there. And then people will say Antonio Brown. If he's on his best behavior, he might be in good spirits. You know, he, he always has the extravagant training camp arrival. I it's going to be a lot of Brown. What, it, what, what that's going to be. But the breakout star, I'm going to go with John Gruden just because I think it's a perfect match. Who are we missing here? Um, this is so off the radar, you guys. I mean, this is just an observation from, from camp. Uh, running backs coach Kirby Wilson is – Hilarious! Nice. Great call, Kirby Wilson. Did he please watch him? He's hysterical. He has these one-liners. The things he shouts at the at the guys while they're running drills. I mean, a lot of times I have to remind myself. All right, girl, you got to watch the rest of practice because <laughs> it's so entertaining. He's. Great. I like that. That's a great yeah. call because a, a classic hard knocks move is to focus in on a eccentric assistant coach and they become breakout stars. Remember the guy last year for the Browns with the belly when he said hut and the whole belly moved? <laughs> yeah. That guy was great. Love that guy. There's always a coach. Um, all right. I'm up. Okay. This is feminine handwriting. I'm going to guess this is from an MJ Acosta. It's an MJ Acosta <laughs> joint. Uh, how will Kyle Shanahan split carries mm. in this reinforced backfield? Well, we kind of hit on that a little bit, uh, but – I don't know. I mean, didn't we see so much um, last year after uh, McKinney go da- he goes down? Didn't we see so much from Brita that he deserves? And he played the shot banged up. I and mean, he's he still banged up, right? Through. Yeah, yeah. He has a pectoral um, muscle strain situation there. To me, he's he's the most talented runner on that team. The question is, do you want to give him more than ten to eleven touches per week? And you have enough running backs where you can limit it. Well, between the three of them, it should work out perfect because they've all had injury. They've had some issues. I mean, Tevin Coleman's generally been durable, but they'll probably take turns sharing the ball. That's how I kind of work themselves out too. the chances that all three are healthy. Yeah. You know, you don't want anybody to get hurt. I had to take the brunt of that load last season. Bless the heart. If I'd take one, though, it'd be Tevin Coleman. He's the one that's been with. Kyle Shanahan before, and you hated him last year. I don't love him. Do a I don't like prop on that one. I don't like love him as a player, but I think he's going to get plenty of opportunity. But he's a role player. He's done it. He's a role player. That's why he didn't get paid. 
even though he's going back to Shanahan. All right, Greg Greg Rosenthal up. We only have four questions. Kyle Shanahan's 10-22 and 22 as he enters his third season with a third consecutive double-digit loss season. Cost him his job. Mm. Who's who's answering this, Dan? I I am right. uh, I. It, it's similar to I know uh, another question that's sitting in there, which is I I wonder like how much faith Jed York, the owner, has in this combination because it seems like they're on the six year contract that he loves them forever, and a a season like this would test it. I think Kyle Shanahan would somehow survive it, which almost never happens, and that. If I had to guess that he would survive ahead of the GM, but I have no idea. I would if I'm a Niners fan, I would be worried that John Lynch, the GM, maybe he's not the guy. And if they have another tough season this year, they decide to clean house and then Shanahan, who's a very bright mind who maybe didn't get a fair shake here, goes somewhere else and becomes a big time coach and you just were a victim of timing on some level. The other side of it, MJ, is that, well, if he loses uh, 10 games, 12 games, and let's say 11 games, maybe you've had enough time. Right. I don't care what the background yeah. is. And you just it's time to go with someone else because you didn't get the job done in three years. I think they do acknowledge though, that last year was just crappy in terms of injuries. Right. You know, like, ugh, who? no one could have seen that Jimmy Garoppolo injury coming. And so much of his offense was to be built and kind of raised around Jimmy and what he was going to do with Jet and ha- lo- losing both of those guys right before the season. I think maybe a mulligan, but I don't think there's such thing in the NFL. There's right. no mercy. Um, but I do agree with Greg that if anyone can survive it, it would be him. But it would take some, like, craziness. All right, one last time around the horn. Oh, MJ Acosta. If that were the oh, case, what? Kyle Shanahan might – for once, encounter just a little bit of doubt on this podcast. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. Could Has happen. not happened yet. Hmm. Is John Gruden a liability? Oh, wow. Someone's cutting right wow. to nice. Short and sweet. Uh, no. No, I don't think he is a liability. I think we have yet to see what this team is supposed to be under him. I don't think that year, last year was the Gruden of yore that – we remember and that we know um, there were many times last year where I, I'd hear him in like post game pressers and he's like, well, it's going to get better. It's going to be fine. Cause so passively. And I'm like, who, mm. who are you? I think I was just a consequence of, of, of what it was of that transition of, of the season of everything that was ha- happening, but I can already see a shift back um, just even through this off season in our interactions um, and conversations that we've had and, and in the press conferences that he's given. Um, so I don't think he's a liability, but I do think that this year, similar to the Niners, it's like, all right, well, let's see it then. I'm with you. Anybody that drew conclusions last year was both a misguided and a prisoner of the moment. This is He signed a 10-year deal. This was never going to be right. put back together in one year. Starting this year, though, I think it's fair to really take a look at whether he can do the job at this stage of his life. We've seen some coaches make an in- instant impact when they really are ahead of the curve. Totally. Right. Like Sean McVay, for instance. He tore it down, though. He decided. Yeah. I I don't know. To me, it's just it is a question because on some levels in terms of team building, he was a little bit of a liability in Tampa for about five, six straight years there. So that's a little bit of a it's a it's a it's a body of work. But is he a liability right now? I don't think it's fair to say. Okay, it's premature to say that. It's also you can't say he's been an asset. Yeah, that's fair, too. All right. We're going to have to lean heavily on MJ for this answer. Do Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch get along as much as it appears? Yes. 
Yes, they do. Because I think that's if they if do. things did go squirrely this year for them, I feel like if if that wasn't true, then that would come out, and it's like one survives or the other. But no, they really are on the yeah, same page. I've seen them both on hand at the facility, outside of it, in 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 just events centered around the team, but off campus, and and you can't fake that funk, right? And I don't think either mm, one of them like is, that. <laughs> I don't think cut that for a drop. Is um is the type to to be contrived in that sense? Like yeah. ah, I'm just gonna smile and 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 be cordial for it. Like they're both hyper competitive, um, but I think that they're also on the same page. That's a great sign. I kind of want to see one of these long term plans actually pan out where you know there wasn't success, so that other teams can point to it. Has anybody pulled their own question yet? Are we pitching a perfect uh, game here? Are, I could kind of uh, tell which yeah, one's mine, so I avoided it. I can tell my own handwriting through the. Oh, you've been. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of cheated. I cheated. I thought you cheated. said, don't. Well, wasn't, don't this wasn't a game. game. No, this well, you pull game. it out, and then if it's yours, you put it back. But you guys are looking. Like, I didn't know you we were just. Well, why not, save, why not save the listener that like enthralling 30 seconds <laughs> of uh, podcast? <laughs> up. All right, here we go. <laughs> Two more. Wait, this one's stuck together. Good, too. Oh, yeah. I, I really stealed mine. Like, like there's a Pope. Why did you not use post this is enthralling as well. Great radio. Wes. Right. Do you exactly. use super glue on this thing? I know. And he, he was like walking around all peacocking like, like, I put my questions in the best. You don't know you what you're doing. I'm talking about peacocking because You were. You, wa- you walked help. past my desk. You were like, he was pretty proud of himself. He was like, I came, up with his, I came up with this whole plan. I'm going to use the other side of the sticky. You don't know what you're doing. That was, that was true. Greg tells no tales. Uh, ooh, another edition of What's More Likely. Vontae's perfect, and Richie Incognito are both week one starters, or at least one will not survive final cuts. Ooh, I like this one. Okay. Uh, first of all, good handwriting, Chris. Thank you. Uh, all right. So Incognito fills a huge need. Uh, uh, Osemele left the team. They need a guard. He fits there as long as he can stay on the straight and narrow. He's a week one starter. Perfect. I don't know. Hasn't Perfect kind of been in decline as a player? Oh, he was one of the worst linebackers in the NFL last year. He so couldn't run. That seems like a toss up at best. Uh, or at least one will not survive. I think it's more likely that Vontae's Perfect uh, gets cut or Incognito does something dumb uh, to undermine himself. So I will go with one of them will not survive. Can I just point out that Richie Incognito is 36 years old? Coming out of retirement. Coming out of retirement. And we've seen better guards, guys like Jari Evans, have to shut it down way before age 36. These, just, like, these types of signings. player last time we saw him. You're making right. a lot of sense, but he was that a was productive years player, yes, in well, Buffalo. Dan, uh, you know, I know you had your rules that you were so excited about. What happens now? It's the last question left mm. and I there's only one option and it's mine Ooh. I have to put wow. it back in and then the show is just over we, no we have to stay Fuck. here for eternity <laughs> <laughs> just we live here, here now. Raiders fans uh, and Ricky 49 Ricky misses her flight it'll be <laughs> she's gonna miss, miss it anyway. shield falls uh, we've kind of covered this but uh, Raiders fans and 49ers fans overrated underrated or properly rated answer separately <laughs> Answer separately. Well, you know, you can't group them together. All right. Uh, I'll start. Uh, Niners fans properly, excuse me, Raiders fans properly rated as being badasses um, 
our buddy Scar, listener of the show. Like guys like that, that no matter what happens, they dress up like maniacs, they cheer, they fill up a dump of a stadium. Uh, they fill that place out, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that place has raw sewage flowing through it half the time, and they will fill, fill up your mentions, too. Um, well, I've gotten more yes. death threats from Raiders fans than the rest of the 31 teams combined. <laughs> See, I use that as a positive. Uh, <laughs> Niners, I feel like the there's a difference between the candlestick era Niners fans or how they're perceived, and now at the Levi's Stadium, the big bell bottom. Um, I feel like they kind of take a bad rap now that maybe they don't deserve. They didn't decide to build the stadium up in like Washington or whatever it is now. Uh, so I f- I'll put them properly rated too, or maybe slightly kind of, they get a bad rap and it's not their fault. I like 49ers fans. I don't think they're as crazy, like psychopathic no. as some other fan bases, but they know what they're talking about. They're very educated on their team and football. I have a high sports acumen for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think 49ers fans are underrated. Actually. I agree with that. Even yeah. within the Bay Area, they kind of because they get overlooked because a little. the Raiders fans are so overpowering. I think that the 49ers fans do um, get a get a little bit of a bad rap there. A little spoiled, you know, had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Long not, time ago, they had a nice run there last. Not decade. filling up that stadium. I mean, the stadium neither is what, the Raiders an hour and a half matter. away from the city. Like, it's like an eternity. They also had to address the sunlight issue, which was a killer. <laughs> right? They had to build like a. Like in Miami almost, they had to build some type of tent around it. Like a little awning. Come on. Of some How much sort? are you getting paid to build the stadium? you got to get these things right. <laughs> they do that on purpose, though, don't they? What? To make sure that the, that oh. the sunlight hits the opposing team. That's nasty. Mm. <laughs> MJ, you came in and you said it all. You've done it. <laughs> There's nothing else. You you got off a plane that was delayed. You dealt with – well, you didn't deal with them, but you saw unruly people at the airport and you desecrated them as you should. And I have to remember I work on TV because I don't want to end up on a viral video. Like, <laughs> no, you got to be <laughs> smart. Telling somebody off at the airport for being rude. Then I'm the rude one. Mm. We loved having you, and we'd love to have you back. You're like I the would love you, to. You're the least likely NFL network analyst to have like a Britt McHenry moment. <laughs> <laughs> t- I think it's yeah. a point of pride now. <laughs> yes. Like uh, in Vegas, uh, connected to your team, you would be at the bottom of the board, right? Which is, I Which think, is the fine. place to be. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. You know, that's where you want to be. Okay. So, that's it. That's it for this week's shows. We'll have one very special show, uh, 4th of July week. Um, the return of really a, a renowned, extremely popular um, game show. I would say the number one game show in the podcast game. Speaking of overrated. <laughs> <laughs> this game. Greg tries to get off the schneid. We won't say what it is. Did we say what it was on Monday? No, we didn't so, say. Uh-huh, just could be any game show. You could figure it out though, based on Greg's demeanor, <laughs> what it is probably. Uh, but uh, MJ, thank you again. You're thank the best. you guys. Thank you, MJ. Uh, all right, this is Dan Hansa signing off for MJ Acosta, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till next week. You go into your shower feeling tired. 
But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.